A reading from the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent them to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am dying of hunger. I, I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and he put his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but, but the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and, and put it on him. And put, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and, and, and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what's going on? He replied, well, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, he got him back safe and sound. Well, then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never even given me a, a, a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, 
You killed the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to him, Son, you, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this, this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you guess that the average congregation in the United States has 70 regular participants? The average congregation in the United States has 70 regular participants. I think that sometimes churches can get to hand-wringing, comparing themselves to larger churches around, thinking that that's a sign of health, that he must be doing something right. Oh, everybody's going over there. But 90% of churches in this country, where half of worshipers in this country attend, actually function more like families than the corporate model of, of the very few large churches. And there's nothing wrong with that, but those are the small number of churches. Around the world, most disciples of Jesus gather together in worship more like a family. Jesus spent so much of his time with so many different types of people. Jews, Gentiles, fishermen, farmers, those plagued by demons, those ridden with grief. He spent time with powerful soldiers and religious folks, and yes, he spent a great deal of time with folks who wanted nothing to do with religion, who had no power, and lived their lives in the dark corners, the smoky rooms, and the back alleys. On this, his critics fixated and stewed and grumbled. Jesus saw loving, harmonious families, deep friendships. He saw people who were so totally broken and abandoned, they were left chained up outside of town. And Jesus saw total transformations. In fact, Jesus helped people turn their lives around, repent and be made whole, reunited with their communities and their God. From this view, God in flesh, Jesus, saw family, the whole beautiful diversity of God's children on earth. Jesus' mission is, is the gathering of this mess of humanity in love. But what he contends with is our human habit of creating divisions, our habit to see beautiful variations in skin pigmentation and to manufacture racism, to see religious differences and to become zealots. From the view of the creator of us all, how heartbreaking it must be to see such division, which leads to such fear and isolation and violence and pain. And Jesus knew very well the irony that the, the, the more dif different types of people that he brought together, the more extravagant his forgiveness the more inclusive his love that in this atmosphere, his gospel of radical global unity would actually further divide 
before it would completely unite. Because he knew well enough that this mass of people, well, they're family. And family is complicated and messy. So Jesus tells a story. The parable of the prodigal father and the lost boys. And in this story of one particular family, their drama, their mess, their love, their loss, their partial reconciliation, Jesus drops this truth bomb of a parable on us, which has been exploding for about 2,000 years now. And he leaves it untied and unresolved with this tagline. But we had to celebrate. We had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and he has been found. By telling the story of one family, we see flashes of our own families, our own lives. We also see the entirety of the human family and it's messy and it's lovely and it's unresolved. Many a preacher and teacher and Bible reader has rumbled with this parable and drawn many kinds of allegories and meanings trying to unlock the code behind Jesus' story. If only there was a code to unlock the mysteries underlying human families. Jesus chose the image of a family to capture a vision of the community that he's created on earth, and it stands the test of time. Because all of us know family. Whether we were born into one, or we were chosen by one, or we chose one. Whether family is something that we've run from or seem to always be seeking The human family is in our blood and in our bones. So here is a family drama where a young son collected exactly half of everything his father had, cut town and just scattered it on unruly living until he had nothing left. He hit rock bottom. A lost boy in a faraway land with no one willing to help him. And it was at rock bottom that Jesus tells us he came to himself. He came to himself. It's practically impossible to help a person change who's not willing or ready. Step one in Alcoholics Anonymous is admitting that one is powerless over alcohol, that one's life has become unmanageable. And only then can one move to step two, understanding that a power greater than one's self can restore us to sanity. The lost boy, having come to himself, admitting that his life is now unmanageable, decides to return home and make amends with his father. He rehearses all all the way home exactly what he will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. But what happens as this boy makes his way home is in part remarkable, probably most to him, and also completely understandable. 
His father has been practically on his tiptoes, watching down the road for his son's return from the moment he left. And while the boy was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran and and put his arms around him, kissed him. And you know what? That, That makes sense to me. There is, at least in this moment right here, reconciliation, humility, forgiveness, love, welcome. But, of course, it's complicated. For in the father's joy, he's lost track of his firstborn. Forgotten, it seems, that he had two sons. A lost son lost in his work and his duty and his obligation to his family. He, too, was given exactly half of his father's possessions. But rather than waste them or even enjoy them much, it seems, he's worked. And as the father pours out extravagant love on his younger son, he neglects to even invite his firstborn to the party. That son only finds out when he hears the music and the dancing and a slave tells him what's going on. And so this lost son, lost to his father's awareness for a time, lost in his work, well, he's angry. And you know what? That makes sense to me. But for this son, lost in his hurt, in his anger, his sense of, of justice and decency, To this son, for this son, the father actually comes searching. And when he finds him, he pleads with his son to come home. But the son answered his father, See here, dad. For all these years, I've been working like a slave for you. And let me, at this moment, we might imagine that the actual slave standing nearby is rolling his eyes as a man with half of his father's seemingly huge wealth suggests that he's been working like a slave. But he goes on, and you haven't done anything for me, but this son of yours, see, he's distancing himself from his familial tie to his brother. He comes home after devouring your property and you throw the party of a century for him. The father hears out his hurting son. And he reasons, son, you, you are always with me. But all that is mine, it's yours. We had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours, this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and he has been found. Father tenderly names the fidelity of his beloved boy and reminds him that that everything that he has, he's already given to this son. In reality, he's living on his son's property, dependent on his son's care. And he, he knits the family back together, reminding him this brother of yours was dead, but has come back to life. We had to celebrate. He's found his lost boy. But what is left unclear by the end of this parable on purpose by Jesus is if he's lost his other boy because of his prodigal grace. 
And that's where Jesus leaves us. To what can we compare the kingdom of God? To a family, messy, broken, at times wandering apart, inconsiderate of each other's needs, at times downright destructive, at times a picture of grace and reconciliation, love amidst unresolved conflicts, made holy and in time, whole, healed by the eager and compassionate God, prodigal in grace, extravagant, excessive, and reckless in a commitment to love even the unlovable. This is God's way, an economy of grace. Repentance and reconciliation are worth celebrating, but it's messy. And sometimes there's collateral damage. And sometimes the most dutiful, the most faithful, the most sacrificial in their giving and their living feel forgotten. Nonetheless, we had to celebrate and rejoice because what was lost has been found. True of God is that those who have been lost in brokenness and wandering may find themselves. They may come to themselves and return. And those who never do come to themselves and return, God comes seeking out and pleads with them. Some may think such a God irresponsible to give these gifts away so freely in the first place, enabling to so consistently forgive nonetheless. When the trumpet sounds and all the dead of creation rise in glory, we see a host of folks that we thought were lost forever. Well, we have to celebrate and rejoice. This is family after all, and we've been found. God created the earth and all that is in it, and God called it good. And Jesus created a family, a beloved community, a church. We are not perfect. There is a lot left unresolved. We are not finished. But God created us, called us to repentance, to reunion. And God called us good. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.